Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm JJ. Hey, guys. I'm Kat. And on this episode, we're excited to bring you guys Maeve. I saw her on TikTok. She has some super spooky, supernatural (laughs) ghost stories, some that are actually like pretty uplifting, and then some that are a little more dark and scary. Maeve, we're excited to have you here. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're really excited. I have to say I'm coming into this blind. I haven't seen any of your TikToks, but I know from experience that it's probably something super good. So I'm excited. I'm here. Well, May, before we jump into your stories, we do kind of like to find out where our guest is on the their kind of belief scale of ghosts. Zero meaning they don't believe in ghosts or the supernatural at all, and 10 meaning they're absolutely real. Where do you kind of fall on that scale? Ooh, um, I would say that I'm probably about an eight or a nine. I think I'm a very naturally skeptical person. Just I'm very logical and I, I often like to like kind of think through everything and make sure that I've really like what's every possibility that could have happened here. So I naturally come from kind of a skeptical standpoint, but I think I've also had so many crazy things happen in my life and to my family that it's kind of at this point a little hard for me to deny or explain away everything. So yeah, I would say I'm, I'm definitely kind of like a, a nine. So did you used to be like much lower than a nine and more skeptical about ghosts? Well, when I was a kid, I saw a lot of weird things. We lived in a really haunted house when I was a child, which I hope get into. But uh, growing up there, when you're really little, I think, because you believe in Santa Claus, you believe in the Easter Bunny. So, you know, ghosts are kind of just like, oh, yeah, there's someone that lives in my house who's not totally alive. So I think as a child, I was definitely just like, yeah, that's ghosts. That's the way they are. Um, but I think definitely when I got older and, you know, went through school and everything, I started to be kind of like, oh, well, I was a kid and maybe I made some of this stuff up or maybe there's other explanations. Um, so it wasn't until I think I really was in probably like my late teen years, my mid to late teen years when I was very like, you know, adult mentally there. And I experienced really crazy stuff that I started to kind of rethink some of my childhood experiences, um, and think, oh, maybe this is kind of something that really happened. One thing that I think is cool is that Maeve is on the East Coast. For whatever reason, it seems like a lot of the TikTokers we bring on are like, not just from the West Coast, they're like just straight up from Cali, like LA, usually that area. (laughs) So, and and Maeve, you're in New York, is that right? I am. I'm in uh, New York right now, but I'm from uh, North Carolina, so. So did most of these hauntings take place in North Carolina? I've actually, I've lived tons of places, but um, the, they started when I lived in St. Louis, Missouri. And I lived in St. Louis from when I was about six months old to when I was uh, about eight. And then we moved to Portland. But in St. Louis, we moved into a house. Um, and if you know anything about St. Louis, it's a very old town. Um, it's been there for hundreds of years. There are tons of old buildings, lots of ghost stories, lots of kind of big historical events that happened. And my f- whole family is from St. Louis. so. We lived in Montana when I was born, but after um, 9-11 and the anthrax scares, my parents wanted to move back to be closer to family. So we got a little brick house um, on a street called College Avenue. 
and we moved in and it was a really beautiful house. Like it wasn't at all kind of scary or um, daunting in any way. It was, it was a sweet house and we moved in. Um, my family was excited. I was their first daughter. I was three years old and I was three years old when like the first thing happened, but I was, I was little when we moved in. The, the very first experience I ever had, um, I was three years old. And I think I kind of skipped over this, but we lived in an apartment until I was about two. And then my parents wanted to get like a more like family home to have my brother in and to kind of develop a family in. So we had purchased this house and we had just moved in and I was three years old. And I was kind of at the age where I was still learning to develop full sentences. I didn't know a lot. I was really little. So we just moved into this house and my mom had said, you know, Maeve, let's, we'll put you down for a nap. I would have my daily naps. And so one day she put me down for a nap. It was probably about a week after we got to my house. And she went about her business, went to clean the house, went to just go manage other things. And I ended up waking up and running out to her. And I said, I'm kind of distressed, mama, there's a hole in the backyard and it swallows people. And my mom, of course, I was three years old and my mom has always been, um, she has plenty of her own ghost stories. It's kind of a family thing, but so she wasn't kind of like, oh, that's crazy. But she was just a little bit like my three-year-old daughter, <laughs> you know, might be making things up or she might just have had a weird dream. So she's like, oh, it's okay. I just go back to bed. Um, but what she didn't know is that for the next week, I would wake up from every single nap and I would run out to her and I would say, mama, there's a hole in the backyard and it swallows people. Um, so it started to kind of get to a point where she was like, this is very odd. She's having the same dream over and over again. And the next week she ended up being invited to, it was like a neighborhood welcome, welcome to the neighborhood party, I guess you could say like a block party. And so she got there and she was talking to some of the neighbors and one of our neighbors went up to her and she said, do you know anything about the history of the street? And my mom's like, no, we just moved here. We don't really know anything other than we like our house. She was like, oh, well, let me fill you in. And she basically said our, our street was on a big hill. And at the top of the hill, there was this big, big house that had been converted into an orphanage. But she said, originally at the top of the hill, there was an abolitionist and he had worked to build a series of tunnels that went underneath the street. So he would hide away runaways in his house. And then he built a tunnel system, which came out in my backyard. And then from my backyard, went all the way under our block and came out at the railroad tracks to get um, runaway slaves away and up north. And she basically said, so that had happened. And a lot of the houses have tunnel entrances in their basement, but it started underneath your house. And in the 1880s, two children had gone into this tunnel. They wanted to explore. They wanted to I don't know, go look around. Um, they were teenagers and they had gone into the entrance in my backyard and tragically the tunnel had collapsed. They had fallen in and it killed them underneath my house. So after that, they had closed off the tunnel and had kind of gotten lost to history and it had been all paved over and had become like a normal yard. So my mom thought that was really weird. Um, she kind of came home and the next day I woke up from a nap again. I ran out and I said, you know, mama, there's, there's a hole in the backyard and it swallows people. And she said, well, Maeve, what, what do they look like? And I looked at her and I said, well, mama, they have, or they have uh, brown skin and orange dresses. And I described the two people that had died underneath my house. What? Yeah. And I had had no previous knowledge. I was three years old. I could barely kind of make full sentences, but I had perfectly described the people, the people that had um, passed away underneath my house. My so, so Maeve, you were three when this took place. Are you still able to see those people or has it been so long that you can't really recall what they looked like, only the description uh, of what you gave? I have very vague memories of having a dream about people in my, in like a tunnel underneath my basement, um, walking and singing kind of, I know I've read a lot of things about how 
slaves used to sing songs kind of in the fields or when they were escaping, they had like African songs, heritage songs that they had um, sung and they would sing. And it almost sounded like that. Like I have a very strange, weird, vague memory of having this dream where there was a bunch of people, a bunch of African-American people um, in period clothes walking through this tunnel underneath my house and like singing. Um, so that is a very vague memory because I was very young, um, but that wasn't the last thing that happened in that house. So it was just kind of the very beginning, I think of my, my story with the supernatural. Goodness. So do you, I mean, how much of these details uh, you know, do you remember and like, is, is the rest of it kind of like filled in for you uh, by your mother or other family members? That's the last one that was filled in for me, that very first one. Um, past that, they're my own recollection. And you uh, mentioned, or I thought maybe I heard you mention that your mother has also had experiences as well. Is that true? Yes. Ghost stories or seeing spirits has kind of gone all the way back um, on both sides of my family history, but on my mom's side of the family. So I'm curious before you answer this question, yeah. is it primarily the women in the family or does it, it go through all the genders? It's actually um, different genders. Before this podcast, okay. I actually called my great uncle yesterday because they grew up on a really haunted house, uh, my grandparents and their siblings. And this is something that has gone, it happened to my mom, it happened to her, all of her siblings in this house on this very, very infamous uh, haunted street in St. Louis. So I actually called him up yesterday to kind of make sure that he could fill in some details for me and really get that family history because I think it's very interesting in understanding my own kind of journey with the supernatural. Yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, I mean, that story is fantastic. And for some of our episodes, that might be enough just to have that story to tell. Yeah. But uh, you really have a plethora of, of supernatural stories. So yeah, you want to lead us on from there to what happened next? Yeah, sure. I guess in that house, the next thing that I remember happening very distinctly, and there was other things where I remember things moving around or seeing weird shadows or lights turning on and off, just little things that were kind of odd, but could be explained away. Um, but the next real thing that I remember happening was when I was about six years old. Um, I had woken up in the middle of the night, it was around 3 a.m. And in my house, I was in this back bedroom and from the back bedroom, um, my, mom, my, my mom often left the door open so that I could see out because I was a kid and I didn't like having the door closed. And so I woke up one night at around 3 a.m. And I turned over to look out into the hallway because I thought, you know, maybe I'll jump up and go and run to see mom because it's the middle of the night and I was scared. And the door was wide open. And I remember there was light coming in from the dining room into the hallway. So the, the hallway was just like a little bit illuminated. And as I like rose my eyes to look into the hallway, there was a figure of this man who in my memory, I think he was African-American, but it was this kind of weird, almost, uh, how would I, almost kind of blurred like you could see his figure, but the colors were all kind of blended together. And I remember looking at it and thinking, this is so bizarre. Like I must be dreaming. This must be something I'm making up. And I looked at him and I looked down and I realized that he had no feet. So it was about, uh, I'd say probably about six inches off the ground. This man was just standing there and floating and staring at me in my bedroom. Oh. And I was, yeah. And I was staring back at him and thinking, you know, this is, this is so whack, but also I was also the kind of age still where I believed in Santa. I believed in the Easter bunny. And so I was kind of like, oh yeah, the ghosts. Um, You're like, what present did you bring me? Exactly. So it wasn't something that I was almost, I don't remember being terrified. I just kind of remember being like, 
hmm. <laughs> weird. So you and didn't I, scream or anything when you no, saw him? No, I, kind of I, I don't it. know if I was so scared that I couldn't speak or if I was just at that age where I was like, okay. But I remember that I wanted to make sure I wasn't dreaming. And so I distinctly remember that I pinched myself really hard and I was like, ow. And I rubbed my eyes and I closed my eyes a couple times and opened them and it was still there. And so I remembered I had done all of that. Like I could feel, I woke up the next morning, there was a little indent on my hand where I pinched myself. So I had definitely, I was definitely awake when it happened. And then I remember following that experience that same night. Um, I think I closed my eyes for like 30 seconds because I didn't want to look at it. And when I opened them, it had disappeared. But I put my, I remember I put my head back down onto my pillow and I closed my eyes and I was like, all right, we're just going to go back to sleep. We'll address it in the morning. Um, and as I lay my head on the pillow, I was on the first floor. So right underneath my head was the basement. I hated the basement. Um, mm -hmm. It was a really scary old St. Louis basement. It had a big coal room. It had a big room for tools. Um, it had like a lot of little secret rooms. So yeah. I hated going down there. But I remember it was right underneath my bedroom. And when I put my head on my pillow, I could hear the sound of people singing in my basement, like the sound of chanting, kind of similar to what I had said I had heard in, in the dream that I vaguely remember. Yeah. It was a sound, it was like a happy, it wasn't necessarily scary. It wasn't necessarily like something where I was like, oh, that's, but it was just kind of warm, familiar, like um, chanting in a language that I didn't understand. Mm. And that's going so, until I fell asleep. That is so eerie. Ah, uh, I, <laughs> I would do, I would move out by myself. Yeah, <laughs> As a child, I'd run away. <laughs> do you remember how uh, old you were when uh, this happened to you? It was six. six. I was. Wow. So I, I know you've seen the Haunting of Hill House, or I assume you have. I saw you doing the impersonation. Oh, I have. Yeah. No, I this, love that show. The second season. And I, I'm curious, just based on what some of our other guests have said, would you compare that first season to kind of some of your experiences when you've visually seen some of these apparitions and things like that? Mm, like the, the imagery that they mm -hmm. use. Or is there something in media that yeah. you would compare it to? It's so strange because I think that every ghost that I've actually, and I've had other weird experiences with noises or with sounds, but the limited times that I've actually seen full-bodied apparitions, they're different every time. Mm -hmm. So the one that I saw in the hallway was very blurry. The colors were kind of smeared together. And then I've seen others that were very, very distinct. Like I could make out the fabric. And then um, I've seen some that are almost just like shadows. Like you can see the outline, but it's it's very dark. It's silhouetted. And did you see that that specific apparition who was missing um, his feet? Did you see that one again, or was it kind of a one-off appearance? It was a one-off experience, but the thing is, it was the house that I would have said too, because I've tried to explain my early childhood things away a lot, that it was only me. Um, but it wasn't only me. It was my mom too, and so. Um, mom's told me this story a lot, but she, when she had my brother and my brother was three and a half years younger than me. So when she first had my brother, um, she would walk around the house a lot in the middle of the night because Finn would never sleep. So he would always be up crying in the middle of the night. And my mom would have to get up and nurse him. And so, um, she remembers one night that she had gotten up in the middle of the night to nurse Finn. And she is walking around and cradling him and trying to get him back to sleep. She was a new mom. She was exhausted, of course. Um, and she'd ended up going into our living room and sitting down on the couch and had ended up falling asleep with Finn on her chest. Um, and then she says that 
she was awoken very, very suddenly by the feeling of someone slamming into her. So sort of like if you were to walk down the street and there were two people facing each other, it felt like someone had just slammed directly into her chest. And she woke up kind of completely breathless, had to catch her breath. And she had thought that someone had hit her, but there was no one in the room. Weird. I've had similar like waking up, uh, just kind of, I don't know, feeling different or feeling like I had had to catch my breath or but not quite like slamming into something, but I definitely yeah. can relate to that. Waking well, Kat, up. you you famously had that ghost keep moving your pillow around that night, right? When you- <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was definitely a ghost. <laughs> Apparently I do things in my sleep. So. <laughs> not I- like weird. <laughs> <laughs> Move pillows, speak some gibberish, that kind of thing. She was real popular at camp. Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> I went to an all, well, I went to a camp with girls and boys, but I own a girl cabin. Okay, anyways, not that. that okay. You did say cabin as a, a young camper. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I oh, I was just gonna say I've had that that feeling of like uh, waking up and it feels like you just like like we're falling, but never that like I mean, kind of like the uh, reverse of like. Yeah. No, it was very much like, like something hit you. Yeah, it was very tangible for her. It had felt like someone had slammed into her like a person she said it was exactly like if a person had kind of slammed into her yeah weird um and did uh did she ever get any kind of inclination or clarification of of who or what that was that did that to her uh no i mean i think as far as we know with that house we have the history that we know for sure that two people died under the house um who, you know, probably weren't super happy. They were really young. So I'm not sure if they were super happy that they found their demise um, when they did. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were a few ghosts in that house that uh, were not happy. But, okay, I kind of, I want to go into a little family history because I feel like it's really important for this. So on both sides of my mom's family, my mom's father and my mom's mother, they have kind of two different stories, but they both have to do with the supernatural. So my my grandfather, um, his, I guess he would be my great-great-uncle. I'm going to go to my notes. But um, my great-great-uncle Edmund Burke was a Jesuit priest. And he lived in St. Louis, um, as did the rest of my family. But if you've ever seen the movie The Exorcist, um, the, you know. I have not, but I'm sure these guys. Shocker, Cat doesn't really see no. scary movies. Yeah. <laughs> She's well, yet to see The Sixth Sense, and we only beg her yeah. like every other episode to watch. One day. I, I actually haven't seen The Exorcist either, but I do, I, I'm it? familiar with like the significance of priests and uh, exorcism. Exorcism. So, the Exorcist is a very classic horror movie. Um, but, it basically dictates the story of this girl that gets possessed, um, and they have to do an exorcism around her and it's really spooky and it's a really scary movie. But that movie was based off of a real exorcism that was done in St. Louis um, by priests on a young boy who was- Dude, um, are you gonna tell us that your great-great-grandfather was the person who performed the exorcist? He was. Exorcism? No! And he was one of the people that performed the exorcism. And to this day, my grandfather swears um, and from his account with, I guess it would have been his uncle or his great uncle. He said that he said uh, he swore by the fact that that case turned his hair white. Oh my goodness. Whoa, we need more details on that. Yeah. Did they they, like consult him on the film or? 
I don't I, again, I don't know about that stuff. I don't know if he was he was alive and he wasn't the oh, main, gotcha. he wasn't the main priest but there was a there was a group of priests that had to come in and they would kind of take shifts going in and um blessing or doing the exorcism so I think at one point when my mom was telling me on the phone yesterday was he had to go in alone to do a round in the middle of the night and whatever he wouldn't he would never speak of what happened in that room other than he swore that it turned his hair white from fear Oh my gosh! My I mean, mind is blown. Literally, his hair was white after. Hair, yeah, there is a there's a scientific thing that if you get too afraid, it can actually turn your hair white. Oh um, my gosh! Mine is not white yet. I am shocked. It's because you don't watch horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta. You gotta scare easily. Yeah. yeah. So, Mae, just to clarify, because I, I I want I want to make sure our audience um, has a clear picture of this. So, your was it your great great grandfather? My great great uncle. Uncle was one of the priests who performed or helped perform the exorcism on the child that the movie The Exorcist is based on. Is that based correct? On. Yeah. So The Exorcist is based on a real case, and that real case was performed by my great great uncle in St. Louis. Wow. So wow. So that's what's one side of my um, of my family. The other side, which I called my uncle for like, two, or my great uncle for like two hours yesterday, because he's the guy that you call whenever you have questions about our family history. He went on a whole um, hunt to get our whole bloodline figured out. Um, <clears throat> so he also told me that on that side of the family, um, which is my grandmother's side of the family, that dating far back, there's a really famous medium, a famous Welsh medium um, who we're related to. And um, he also kind of like referenced, maybe there was something to do with the occult. Maybe there was something to do with Wicca, but I, that side of the family is very, very Catholic. So they, they were like, no, 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 no. He's like, maybe, but everyone swears that they were just Catholic. But, um, and my uncle was like, yeah, I really tried to, you know, figure out if it was witchcraft, but um, all the cousins I talked to were very hesitant to kind of, um, to clarify that. But we do know for sure that that side of the family is related to a super famous medium in Wales. Wow. Now, does does that bring you some peace knowing that through generations of the family you come from, other people have, I won't say suffered, but have gone through some similar experiences that you have? I think totally. Um, yeah, it's such a thing that like dates back so far. I think, I mean, to the stories that I have at least go back to my great grandmother um, and has continued on the generation. So I think that's super helpful because... You know, it does make you feel less crazy when you can go up to your mom and you're like, hey mom, this really weird thing just happened. And she's kind of like, oh yeah, no. Um, yeah. That's happened to me, that's happened to grandpa, that's happened to, you know, and I don't know if it's to blame for the mediums in our family or the exorcist or what, but there's definitely some really weird kind of family history that goes back. And I like to think might have something to do with why our family has had so many experiences with this stuff. And do you consider yourself a medium? I know I saw on your TikTok, you share several stories of kind of like weird psychic kind of things happening. Yeah, um, that term is like hard to use. I think that, I definitely think that I'm, I would say I'm more in tune to things than other people. I call it being haunted. You guys that see ghosts all the time. I just, <laughs> I, I just, that's my blanket statement for people that live that life. Um, but it's also like, you know, yeah, sometimes I'll just have experiences where, you know, I'll think a thought or I will, someone's relative will die and I'll know it before it happens or just get, just get weird things that I, I shouldn't know, but I end up knowing. Um, Cause in one of the videos, didn't you tell your boyfriend, like 
did you hit your head or you're going to hit your head or something? And then like yeah, immediately... my, my ex-boyfriend, I was at his house um, and we were watching Netflix in his bed and uh, he was like pointing up. He had this like huge Star Wars light on his wall. This was like my, my freshman or sophomore year of high school. It was like one of those huge... I'm not well-versed in Star Wars enough to know, but it's like one of the big planets and it was like half of it. And it was like a big light that went on the wall. Um, JJ lit up so fast. He's like, does that death star? I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I don't know if I'll ever discover ghosts are real or not, but I'm going to find out what Star Wars light this is. Yeah, I maybe the death star, I don't know. But it was half of it. And he was like, yo, look at my light. And I had kind of been like, I remember looking at him and I was like, didn't that fall on your head once? And he was like, no. And I was like, that's so weird. I have this really distinct memory of it like hitting you in the head. And he's like, that's never happened. And he, I remember he reached up and like put his hand on it. And at that moment it fell off the wall and it just hit him in the head. Oh, <laughs> him aside the head. And I remember, cause he was super skeptical. He was like a total atheist, was very critical of, you know, any of my ghost stories or my um, experiences. So I remember he kind of had to take a double take cause it yeah. was the moment before I said it. So he kind of, he like looked at it and he looked at me and I don't think we ever talked about it again. I think that was the last time that it was mentioned. I feel like you could have used that in a really mean way moving forward if you wanted to. You just be like, hey, did this terrible thing happen to you? And he's like, no. And you're like, do you want it to? And <laughs> I can make it happen. Yeah. You make that happen with us, just direct it towards JJ because he <sighs> wants yeah. an experience, but I'm good. Oh. Leave me out of it. Yeah. Of, of the people in this room, I am the hardcore atheist who needs the, the shocking experience. So I'm like hardcore, <laughs> but no. more skeptic than us. The softcore atheist. <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to share one of my favorite stories, which is actually my great uncle's story, but I think it's like one of my favorite family stories. Um, it's also great because it's the most verified of all of our stories. Um, it's both the wackiest, like the definitely the scariest story I have and also um, has been verified by neighbors and it happened to um, multiple siblings of my grandparents' family. Oh my goodness. And they can all verify to that day and my great grandma, but I think I'll just, I'll just jump into it. and <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait. That was a good setup. I like it. Yeah. So um, my great uncle, uh, Mort Hill, uh, he lived in St. Louis, um, or he still lives in St. Louis, but he's lived there his entire life uh, with his sisters, brothers. They had a big Irish Catholic family. And during, I guess it would have been the 50s, um, they moved into a house on a street called Cabinet Place. And Cabinet Place is off of Del Mar. It was a very typically African-American populated part of town, but they were like, I think one of the first white families that moved down there. Um, they were super, they were also kind of a lower class family. They were a big Irish Catholic. Um, but during the time of the civil rights movement and um, St. Louis, a lot of people had just left St. A lot of white families had left St. Louis. And they moved into this house on Cabinet Street, which to that note was a very large house. It was a very large old um, French brick house in St. Louis. And I really want to do a story of justice. So what he told me was that one night they were sitting outside in the car and he was about 13 at the time and he was sitting with a friend um, and his sisters were in the back seat. And they were, they just got home. They parked outside of the house. Uh, they were sitting in the car, just talking. And all of a sudden they saw these three black figures walking up the street. They looked like these, these big black figures like wearing these long dark 
cloaks and then these big hoods over their head that covered their faces, but you, you couldn't see their faces. It was just like these big, long black coats. And there was three of them in a line. And the one in the middle was holding a scepter, kind of is what he describes it as like this big kind of like pointy stick. And they kind of all looked out of the car and <laughs> looked at each other and they're like, that's super weird. Who are these three guys, you know, these three creepy guys walking around late at night. Mm -hmm. um, and he kind of describes it as the whole car being filled with like this radio silence, sort of. Um, and while they were walking by, the whole car got really quiet. And my great uncle said that he remembers looking out the window and all of a sudden realizing that they weren't standing, they were floating. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so they were still kids. So they were in the car and they were all just like, and my, um, my great uncle said that you could hear them talking to each other, but it was like this kind of like, you couldn't totally hear what they were saying. It was just kind of like this memoring. Um, and I, I, was, I told him, I was like, you have to tell me what it sounded like. And I've never, like my great uncle basically said that it still to this day is super hard for him to remake the noise because it scares him so much. It was like truly one of the scariest things, but it was almost, I think I'm gonna try to do it. It was kind of like a, like this like weird, like grumbly mumbling to each other. Oh yeah, I know those guys. They're not as yeah, bad. It sounds, oh yeah, I know those weird guys. <laughs> that sounds like who's haunting our podcast every other episode. Oh yeah, maybe. I, um, I, I don't think you've listened to the podcast, but we, we have had, so we, how do I, start this so we had a medium not. come on um that was probably around your age her name's amanda similar to you she's had just a life filled with the supernatural and we started uh you know we kind of go through her story and cat asked her hey well do you see anything on our zoom like do you see a ghost or anything like that and she tells cat and jj and i that she sees uh old lady in between them Ugh. so when you go back, and I think that's the first case of it, you go back and listen to that recording, there's like this whispering noise in between that after she says that. Wow. And then it persists on several other episodes. And it's usually specifically around the time if like we're making fun of that noise or a guest is like, oh, no way that exists or, you know, whatever. But then yeah. it comes back. But the creepiest one, we had an episode where Kat and JJ heard the noise out loud in the room, like almost oh, in between gosh. them. And I didn't hear anything. So I was super curious to go back and yeah. editing and see if I could find it. And I didn't have to look very hard. It was clear as day, that voice. And then just periodically, and you know, our fans probably won't like to hear this, but we'll have fans uh, email or Instagram and say, Hey, I heard something at this time spot. Yeah. I tried to do my best to go and pull those clips. Um, but I haven't even myself going back to listen to all of them, but yeah, it's, it's weird. And you know, JJ says he wants a supernatural experience, but he maybe had a ghost yeah. talk to him like next to him, you know? Yeah. I need, I need more verification still. I, I mean, like it, it was super creepy that night for sure. I was like, normally I'm like a five when it comes to that scale of like zero to 10 mm -hmm. that night, I was probably like a 9.7 or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think after kind of like the initial shock of it, I'm like, okay, well maybe it was, there, there was, there could have yeah. been some other explanation and I think that's normal JJ because I mean you know I have that story from where I was a kid where I think I put my hand through some kind of ghost figure that was staring at me and I discredit my own experience of of, of like something I have in my mind's eye that I saw because I don't know what else to do other than just rationalize it away you know it yeah. just 
I don't now know. That, it's strange. Like for that, if I saw something like you did, or like you have seen several things, Maeve, I think that would be more difficult to discount. And and you said when you were a, a teenager, you were kind of thinking like, um, maybe I was little then, like that might have been something else. So yeah. do you know, like, was there kind of a a defining moment for you where you were like, no, this is definitely like a real thing that is haunting me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there was a couple in high school. Um, yeah, uh, high school was weird because I, I I moved to the South. I moved to Wilmington, North Carolina, which is a very old town. It was a last Confederate port. It was, all of the buildings downtown look like they've been there for ages. They're old cobblestone roads. You'll see horse and carriage going by. It's, it's pretty old. So... I guess we had we had Tech Week for a show. I um, an I'm an actress, and we had there's this really really big old um, theater in downtown Wilmington called Thalian Hall, um, and it's one of the oldest buildings in town. It's a huge old theater, and it's notoriously haunted. I mean, it's like if you go onto their website, you can look under a tab, and it's like our haunting stories, and it'll tell you all about it. Oh, that's um, so cool to hear. And I think I mean during high school there was a lot of weird things before even junior year, which is I think when I was really like, oh my God, <laughs> um, when I had an experience that really solidified in my mind that goes for real. Um, but there were just always weird things. Even people who didn't believe in ghosts would be like, I had this super weird experience in the dressing rooms. I remember freshman year, I was in the downstairs and the downstairs um, dressing rooms, which are these really creepy old flickery lighted dressing rooms in the basement next to the pit, uh, like the band pit. And you would go in there and I had a quick change Oh, we know about the pit. Oh, we know. Yeah. I thought you were going to be like, oh, we know about the band quick change. And I was like, that's a weird segue. <laughs> <laughs> we know about the van pit. Um, we do know about the quick change too, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, I had to go down and do a quick change. And it was really terrifying. I remember because it was, it was late at night. It was during one of our performances. And I went downstairs. And there was always just like an eerie feeling in the building. Um, kind of like wherever you went in that building, you just had this feeling like that if you turned around, there would be someone standing there. And the way that the restrooms were built, you would walk in and to the left, there would be a row of mirrors um, with like, you know, the classic stage lights. And then if you walked maybe five feet more, there would be another row of mirrors to the left. Um, so they were kind of, they were kind of in their own little nook. And that's where I had my quick change clothes. So when you were in that nook, when you were getting ready, you couldn't see out to the rest of the dressing room or to the door. So I was standing in that nook and I was um, getting dressed and I had my quick change. And I remember hearing people talking, like the sound of people talking and being like, oh, like that's, you know, someone must've come into the dressing room to get stuff. Um, and then I'd also heard, I heard the door like really slowly creak open. And I was like, okay, like someone just probably walked in. So, I mean, I was so normal about it at this point because it had just sounded like someone had come in to, you know, get makeup. So I was like, hey, what's up? I didn't get a response. And I was like, hello. It's like, does anyone in here? And eventually I was like, okay, this is weird. Cause I could hear the door like slowly kind of coming open. Mm -hmm. So I walked out and I'm standing there and the door has become wide open. And this is an old theater door. This is like a metal vaulted door and it had come all the way open. And you have to like turn the doorknob to open that thing. It doesn't open by itself. And of course I closed it going in because I was changing. And I was like, hello. And the minute I said that this whole metal door slams shut. Just, just like right in front of you? Back into its, yeah. No, thank you. Do you, I mean, do you think maybe someone in the cast uh, or the 
those pesky uh, orchestra works was like trying to play a prank on you. <laughs> well, you know, I would have thought that I really would have, but I went outside in the hallway. There was no one there. I mean, because we were in the middle of a performance. I had a very specific quick change. Everyone else, like most of the ensemble was upstairs for a number. The band kids were in the band pit playing songs. I mean, this was like, I was pretty much the only person who was off stage at that moment in time. Yeah. JJ, it would be like in that JoJo Wright episode where somebody plays a prank and just never tells them, hey, I pranked you. Like some sociopath <laughs> that just puts it in their pocket. Like, yeah, it's like, what's the point of, of playing that prank if you don't tell someone afterwards? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, that was me in the basement. Um, but that's actually, that's not, this, that's not the, the real like proof story. That was just kind of like weird things that led up to that. I had a friend who had to turn off all the lights for the night and she would run up the stairs and turn off the light. She would get to the bottom, the lights would come back on again. And she would do that four or five times and eventually just be like, no, I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, like you would hear, you would hear heels clicking behind you. We would hear like kind of disembodied voices. I mean, there were so many things too many to name in this podcast, but just really weird little experiences that people would have where they would be like, something just bizarre happened and I have no way to explain it. But the craziest thing that happened to me, I think it was either my sophomore or my junior year of high school, um, we were doing the show and we had had a really late rehearsal. It was tech week for the show. So we were probably in the theater until about midnight. And I had ended up packing up all my bags. I'd taken a little bit longer to get out of costume. So most people had left the building other than the director who was still in the theater. Mm -hmm. And so in order to leave the theater, you have to go out um, of this like side door that goes into the big lobby, like this big opening lobby. In this specific theater, it's basically, I would say four stories up in the lobby. It's this huge billowing ceiling and then a staircase, this big grand staircase that goes up the wall up to the balcony rows. So it's a very big open room. And you have to, you have to go out of that door and then exit the building to get out at night. So I was one of the last people out. Um, the security guards had already turned off the lights in the big lobby and I had walked through the door. And I remember the moment that I got through that door, I had this feeling of like, you know, just like the hair stands up on your, on your arms and you have this feeling of like, oh, there's someone else in here with me. Um, but I was also kind of like, oh, you're just being, you're just being weird. This is, this is fine. You know, it's just like a scary room. It's late at night. You're making things up. So I like quickly ran across the lobby um, and I made a right to go out of the front doors. And at this point, I have my my back facing the wall, facing the big grand staircase that goes up in this big giant like 40 foot wall that goes up. And I get to the door and I just still have this feeling like there's someone just directly behind me. And so I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I have like the shivers. I'm like, we're just gonna get out of here. We're gonna go home. Um, and I push on the door and the door is locked. The front door to the theater is just bolted shut. Oh. So I remember looking outside, I was looking out at the streetlights, there were like little streetlights on, so there was like a little light illuminated outside, and I remember being like, shit, I have to turn around, and I have to walk back, and, you know, go out the other direction. But I really did have like that eerie feeling of like, if I turn around, I just know that there's going to be something, like, you know, there's just like that weird feeling of like, there's someone behind me, even like if you get a few I, JJ doesn't get it. I don't I understand it. that feeling. I, right. like, That's not, so weird. I get that all the time. Even with like friends, if a friend walks into the room, I'm always like, oh, hey, you kind of. Is that because Same, you yeah. hear the friend walk in the room or because no. I've had like, like Kat, Kat has been like in the past, just like yeah. turn around and she's like, do you feel like someone's staring at you as, as she's staring at me? I'm like, no, huh. it, it just, I just feel like I'm standing here. JJ, you're never like driving your car and you just know the person in the car next to you is staring at you. And then you look over and you make awkward eye contact with them. That doesn't happen to you. 
No, not at all. I love JJ so much. (laughs) I just, I don't think there's like extra scanners going on when he's doing things. Got a one track mind. Like scientifically, there's something with your peripheral vision where you can't even totally notice, but there's almost like this blurry space at the very back of your peripheral vision where you can see things really clearly, but then at the very back of your peripheral vision, there's almost this blurry space where you can't totally make it out. Like if you're looking straight, you wouldn't be able to see it but sub like kind of just in that peripheral vision, it can see a little bit like diagonally behind you. So okay. one of the things that people can tell if there's someone coming to the bil- like into the building is that their peripheral vision will pick up the shadow of someone. And you can't really see it when you're looking straight, but it's like in this kind of weird. I'm that not- is the most JJ explanation for something I've ever heard. So I know he oh, must I really, really appreciate like that. that. Explanation. Yeah. yeah, no, because I think, I, I don't know. I had a science class one time where they explained that to you. So there's almost like a scientific reason for why you might feel like there's someone kind of right behind you. So your eye is still taking in like some kind of sensory information. Yeah, it's almost like kind of, it's like a place where it's mostly just black and white, like like light. It's almost just kind of like blurry light. It's not even your eyes that are taking that in because that's right. But your your sense of touch can also like perceive the area around you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like your proprioceptive system, which I talk about every day because of my weird ass job. Yeah. (laughs) That is how you can walk down a step without looking at every single step. Your foot knows where it's going to go because your body, that's how moose get around the woods because their antlers have extra nerve endings and proprioceptive systems going through their antlers. That's how they get around the trees so smoothly when they're running, especially in the dark. Okay, I feel like we built up all this suspense to find out what was behind Maeve and then I totally sidetracked things. So. <laughs> oh, you're totally so fine. Um, yeah, so anyway, I, I push on the door and I have this kind of moment of like, oh, frick. And I, um, I remember I turned around and I look up and on this grand stairway that goes all the way up to the balcony, there is, it was, it basically looked like a 10 foot shadow of a man dressed in full Confederate garb standing on the staircase. Why is it always oh Confederate garb? They're just, just can't there. let it go. Yeah. We, have so many old, we have so many old statues downtown in, in my hometown um, that, you know, they, they, it looks like one of those statues. So of course my initial like logical side of my brain was like, there's something making a shadow on the wall. I was like, I'm going to find it so I can like explain this because I mean, it really was like this full foot man with like this long coat, you know, he's standing there. I was like, ha, he's looking at me and I'm like, okay, what's making the shadow? And I mean, it was, it was as clear as day, the shadow. It wasn't like, oh, it might be a man. It was, it was the shadow of a, of a man. So I start looking around the room and I'm like, okay, where is this coming from? And I look all around the lobby. There was not a single statue in that lobby. So my next thought is maybe it's coming in from the street. So I go to the windows. I look out onto the street. There's nothing on the street that could have been making a statue, like a, a shadow of this man. And so I turn back around and I'm just like staring. I'm just staring at it. And I, I was like, this can't, this cannot be happening. This cannot be real, That there is like this full apparition of this man right now. And there's nothing that's causing the shadow. So, but I was like, there must, it must be coming from somewhere. So I decided to get on my phone and I was like, okay, I'm going to get my phone. I'm going to record like a 360 of the room. And then later I'll go back because I'm creeped out right now, but I'll go back and I'll figure out where it's coming from. The minute that I pull out my phone and start to reach it up, this shadow turns and I almost see like a cape, like fly up behind it, like the, the back of a big, long old coat. Um, the shadow turns and I can see almost like footsteps, look like footsteps on the wall though, like a shadow walking up and it slowly just disappears into the balcony. 
Are you sure this wasn't like the Phantom of the Opera? That sounds very. <laughs> it probably <Ooh>. was. <laughs> Okay. Um, but then I, like, then I was like, no more of this. So I, I totally ran out the side door I got in my parents' car and I was like, oh my God, what just happened? And I know, so you said that theater is kind of historically haunted. Had other people you knew had that same experience with that shadow or were you the only one that you know of? I was of? the only one of my friends that had seen that. But um, there are a lot of accounts of seeing people in the balcony, of seeing like weird Mm -hmm. weird figure so I'm definitely not the first person in that theater to have experienced something but I kind of had always up to that point thought oh they might have just saw a weird shadow in the balcony and you know said it's an old you know Victorian man but it wasn't up until that moment where with my like 17 year old completely sane eyes I had seen something physically turn and walk up of the stairs and disappear that I was like there's no way that I can discount that that I can explain that Right. But in a way that has to make you feel better, almost like hearing those stories from your family, because you had had all these experiences. And I know we've had other guests come on. Amanda, she said, just from listening to this podcast, hearing all these similar stories gave her so much comfort knowing that she wasn't alone in that. So after you kind of took that in and felt that way, did you feel a little bit of relief knowing like, okay, there's a little validity or there's validity to all these things that have happened to me? Absolutely. I think that it was definitely one of those things that kind of in my mind, it was like, okay, cool. I guess that's just something that I, you know, that's not a creak in the night. That's not a weird noise. That's, you know, that was just clear as day. There was someone on the wall. Well, and Maeve, before we get you out of here, because I know you've you've been on with us for almost over an hour now, and we certainly appreciate your time. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to tell the story that the first story that I saw uh, that TikTok pushed in front of me was where you actually captured a supernatural event occurring on camera in front of you. And I thought it was also kind of I don't know if you'd say lighthearted because it does deal with the passing of a family member, but it kind of like almost, a, it, it kind of felt a little sweeter than some of the ghost stories that we probably have had on our podcast. Yeah. So I'd love it if you could kind of walk us through that and then we can kind of send our audience to also go watch that video. Yeah. Um, so when I was in uh, my eighth grade year, um, my grandmother, who was really, really dear to me, she was one of my one of the closest people I had in my life and a real kind of maternal figure in my life. She was this very big bubbly Southern woman and I loved her to death. Um, and she lived in North Carolina um, with my grandfather and she had gone in for a minor procedure to relieve some weight off of her feet. Um, and it had ended up sending two blood clots that killed her. Uh, very unexpectedly, she's 59 years old. So it was a very big tragedy for our family. Um, and something that was very shocking, you know, cause she was always the woman, um, we always thought she was gonna outlive my grandpa cause my grandpa has uh, a lot of heart problems. So we were always, and he's also 10 years older. So we were always like, oh, she'll, Linda will be around for a while. Queenie will be around for a while. So that loss was really hard for me because um, she was just always someone that we just thought was there. She was just like this big, big bubbly person. It was weird to suddenly have her not be there anymore. Yeah. So after her passing, um, my grandfather was getting older and my family decided that we were going to move to North Carolina to the home that she had passed in um, to to live with him and to be with our family. Um, So we'd moved out there and there was just, I think, at least for me, and this is is sensitive because I know my family is going to watch this and I I don't want to, you know, but, but for me, I always kind of felt her there with me, like, um, and even just kind of in the way that you're just like, she loves you and she's there and she's somewhere, um, 
you know, I definitely had dreams where she would come to me and she would be like, tell grandpa, I love him. Tell Tara, I love her. Tell people I love them. Um, so I'd have kind of all of these very strange dreams. Um, but I kind of always like to think that she was kind of there in some ways, or at least came and came and went to give us signs. Um, and so, yeah, I, there was one day that I went up to my attic. Um, I have a big attic above my room that likes to, uh, things like to be moved and there likes to be footsteps there in the middle of the night. So I don't like going up there alone, but I went up there alone to grab some photos of my mom when she was younger. And that attic holds a lot of my grandma's old stuff. And I, um, I went up in there and I was going through a bunch of boxes and I was having to move around a lot of my grandmother's old photos and her clothes and stuff. And all of a sudden in the bathroom, when we have timed lights in the bathrooms, they go off every 12 hours, but they just will turn off. And then 12 hours later, they'll turn on. They're not like the kind that you can like, you know, wiggle on off, but uh, the lights started turning on and off over and over again, they started flickering, which they never do that. Um, and I thought it was really weird. And I was also a little spooked because I was in this dark attic and the lights kept going totally pitch black. Um, and it was always, I would touch like something that my grandma had owned and the light would turn off and turn back on again. So it was like this weird thing. Where I was like, Oh my God. Um, so I, I ended up walking back into the bathroom. I picked up my phone and I made the TikTok, which you can find on my page. It's probably a little ways down. Um, but I turned on the camera and the lights were going on and off. And I said, Hey, can you please stop that? And it had like turned off. Ooh, they're flicking really harder. I can't remember exactly what that video had, but something with the lights had been going on and off. And I had said, Hey, can you please stop that? And the lights at that moment, had just they just stopped and it was like instant i mean it was yeah. it was like you commanded the lights to stop and they stopped and then you did a follow-up video because lord knows the internet can be so kind with their comments and i think people yeah. were accusing you of like hey you just you did that with your hand or you know whatever and you videotape and show that it would have been physically impossible for you to turn that light on and off um, from that perspective um, no, I was about six feet away from the light switch. I was standing in the middle of the bedroom. So I was not, I was not an arm's reach of, of anything that could have operated the lights. Um, and it was kind of the minute that I said, Hey, can you please stop that? The light had just come back on again. And, and I can't remember if it was that video or another one, but wasn't your, um, grandmother's urn up there as well. And she didn't want it to be up there. And she came to you in a dream or something. Oh, like um, yeah, we actually have her urn in a, <laughs> Sorry. We have her urn in the game closet in our front hallway um, next to the Monopoly, uh, which my grand my grandmother, if you had met my grandmother, my grandmother would not want her ashes to be in the Monopoly yeah. closet. She was too big of a woman to want her ashes to like, end up. Put me on the fireplace, like on the mantle. <laughs> she had been in our foyer for a while, like um, on like the, you'd walk into the, into the, the house and she would be sitting right there. Yeah. And at some point they did some cleaning. They put her in the closet. They didn't take her back out of the closet. And I had a dream where my grandmother came to me in a cemetery and there was a like a big um, shelf with like urns on it. And she had went over and swung her urn off the shelf and it had broken on the floor. And she's like, you better take me out of that closet. And I woke up. <laughs> Wait, that's really funny. Also, that's so special. I mean, like, you know, it, yeah. in my mind, I'm like, that's so hard to, to, you know, believe that it would be your grandmother coming back and doing all these things, but why not just be like, if it is her, how special is that? And yeah. she's, she obviously knows that you can handle it. And it seems like there's so much of her in you. So that's just like, really, really cool. You have kind of those experiences. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. I know how hard that is, you know, oh, it's, it's I would 
No. I would love for, I mean, anytime I think of memories of my grandma, it's like heartbreaking. I would yeah. love to cherish some sort of like dream or, you know, connection with her. So that's really special. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Maeve. That's, that's awesome. So where can our fans find your TikTok page? What is your social media? Uh, they can find me at Maeve, it's M-A-E-V-E, um, two underscores, Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, and then two Ys. Um, so it's Maeve Kelly, at Maeve Kelly on TikTok. And you can find videos there. I think my, my most of my ghost stories are farther down. You got to scroll a bit. They're um, about halfway, I think. If you go about halfway and start looking, that's that's where I saw most of them. You'll find a bunch of them all grouped together. But I don't know. I might have to do some more now after this podcast. It's kind of reinvigorated that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And we love to bring guests back and do, you know, we'll have episodes where they help us guest host, or we'll also do kind of fun events where we bring guests back. And I'm sure um, if you're willing, we'd love to bring you back because yeah, I, I know that. just from looking at your TikTok, you have even more stories. Oh that yeah, no, I have, I have tons. I could definitely, <laughs> definitely go on for a bit. So awesome. Yeah. Well, May, thank you so much for coming on and we hope you have a good rest of the weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, it's uh, her TikTok is pretty fascinating. As she said, she she has a lot of content on there that is not spooky or ghost related. So I don't want our guests to think that we brought on someone whose sole purpose on TikTok is only doing supernatural material. I mean, she's not trying to suck people in over to her TikTok to watch her ghost stories. Like it took me a legitimate like 10 minutes to kind of get to the meat of her ghost content. But once I found it, man, what a treasure trove of supernatural stuff. And I just found watching her videos and I hope it comes across in our interview that it was very sincere and um, felt pretty grounded, even though the stories are big. But I, I it, it, they were told in what felt like kind of a trusting way. So I thought it'd be fun to bring her on the podcast to share those with us. Yeah, she yeah. was super genuine. And I love that she's a theater kid. We were like, that's a way to relate. I'm know, still right? blown away that her great uncle is the priest that- Dude, like, what a reveal. The, the real life exorcism case. Oh my gosh, yes. I know. I Now is that it, was not on the TikTok, so- <laughs> Is it too much of a stretch for us to get another medium on the podcast, get her on the podcast and try to do an interview of her great uncle? I mean, we can try. I'm Maeve would probably be down for it. I, I think she yeah. seems like she's into the, into, you know, trying that stuff. Um, yeah, that was really cool. Um, I obviously haven't seen the exorcism, but if anyone's listening to this and you know, someone that does exorcisms, like, we would love to hear about that or from them. Yeah, I will say that I enjoyed hearing her stories, but I did want to make sure we got to that grandmother story because we have so much spooky content now, uh, which is great. I mean, look, that's the stuff I live for on this podcast, so I have no complaints there. But sometimes the biggest reactions from our audience is kind of the sweet stories about family members who have visited back. And I think that's something we can all relate to where we would want to experience that you know i think that's also how a lot of people get kind of and i hate to use this word but sucked into seeing mediums or psychics is because they want to be contacted by a past loved one so it's cool that she kind of had that experience just in her day-to-day -day life yeah our podcast is kind of like sour patch kids first we're first we're spooky then we're sweet that's not a sour patch kid you don't eat it because it tastes spooky 
I said it's kind of like a Sour Patch Kid. I didn't say it was exactly the same thing. Fine. So with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm JJ. And I'm Kat. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.